Welcome to the Climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is what you're going to need to get into the game. This isn't a game anymore where they find the diamond in the rough from a small little town and turn them into a big star. Those days are over. You're going to have to have some business behind. You're going to have some songs written, some demos recorded if you're a songwriter. You're going to have to have some gigs, some ticket sales, some merch sales, some streams, and some YouTube views if you are going to be an artist and get anybody's attention. And that's why we called it The Climb. C-L-I-M-B, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. That's a Baxter name created by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. He's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And what I like about Brent is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and on the regular, he connects you to the pros with regular opportunities to meet publishers, meet producers, and get relationships started. You can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Once again, it's super easy, songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yes, it's complicated, but thankfully, Johnny is Smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists such as Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be hanging out with you. And if we can get my phone to get reception in my house, then things will be even better. <laughs> and so, <laughs> dear climbers, we are fighting the technological battles that so many of you face. Well, today we are going to talk about death and poverty and the relationships that people have with these two things. And we're going to discuss about whether or not they're a curse or are they a blessing. Well, that sounds like just the pick-me-up I need on a Tuesday morning. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. (laughs) You're welcome. This reminds me of that saying about the music industry. It's a dangerous water full of sharks and and death and poverty. Not only that, there's a downside, too. There's a downside. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, before we get into that, let's just handle a little bit of business here. It's a digital world out there, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CDs, vinyl, T-shirts, etc. at gigs has become a very important income generator. Not even important. Important sounds like an understatement. It's the only way you're going to get to the next town on tour. That's right. Because for every CD you sell at a gig, it takes about 3,000 streams to equal the same amount of income. So go out, get yourself 3,000 streams. Not easy to do for most of us. Or sell a CD at a show. One. CD. That's how the math works out. We love streams. Go get as many streams as you can, but we believe that you are leaving money on the table when you do not have merch on the table. Thankfully, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your disc and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. You can find them online at discmakers.com. That is D-I-S-C makers.com. Or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. 
And if you haven't joined the Climb community yet, please do so. This is a thriving Facebook group that we've put together. And very proud of it. Brent's proud of it. I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. It's not the kind of community with uh, 300,000 members and you go there once a week and it's the same post at the top because it's like a ghost town or people shouting into a corner. We have real artists, real songwriters sharing wins, asking questions, frustrations, and people helping each other. And it's a really cool place to be. You have to ask to be let in, but we let everybody in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to receive your podcasts. Make sure that you tell a friend about it. That's the best thing that you could do for us. If, if you got some knowledge out of this, if we rang a bell, if we gave you an aha moment, then by all means, please tell somebody else about it because we can help them too. And finally, leave a rating and review. We're trying to get to 200 as quick as we can. So take 30 seconds and leave your honest opinion. We hope it's a five star, but we read them all. That's right. And speaking of the climb community, just uh, share a couple of wins. You know, every Wednesday we post a new heights post and people can post their wins underneath it. It's where we want you to brag on yourself and celebrate so we can all celebrate together. Brad Hacker says he got his first hold by a major artist. Haven't had a cut, much less a hold. So this is a big win for him and he's grateful and excited. Nice. Even if it doesn't get cut this time around, he says, I am super grateful. It's a total climb song. So thank you, Brent and Johnny. So I told him to keep us informed he's like i'm on pins and needles congratulations that's awesome it's not congrats on if it gets cut no just congrats because getting a hold is a big deal i remember my first one it was leanne womack and yeah i could say i've been held by leanne womack if only for a few months this is the song anyway (laughs) um there's a long line of people that want to be able to say that and yes you're one of them you've been held (laughs) i've been held by leanne womack (laughs) and i've also been held by brad paisley and that was weird anyway so congrats and good luck brad and we have the hat get in the way which of our hats that's the question oh i see yeah exactly Anyway, congrats, Brad. That's awesome. So, yeah, join the Climb community. You can post your wins. We have Music Monday where you are invited to share your music in a spot where people know where to find it. We have social shares on, I think, Tuesdays. You know, there's an organization, kind of a rhythm to the group so that it's useful. It's helpful. We'd love to have you join us. Absolutely. All right, so let's get into this thing here. Um, Death and poverty. Yay, can't wait. Death and poverty. I mean, it sounds so negative, but... I turned off the news for this. Actually, it is a positive thing. Yeah, it is a positive thing, of course. But, you know, I listen to Bob Lefsitz. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I listen to Bob Lefsitz's podcast. And he was interviewing Titus Welliver, Mm -hmm. who is the lead actor from the hit Amazon series called Bosch. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was also in Lost. I think he's been in some Transformers movies and a couple other things. I know him as the man in black from Lost. I still don't trust him. So. <laughs> man, the tragedy around this guy's life was what kept hitting me over the head during this interview. He had a younger brother, I believe, that he lost 15 years ago or something. And I might be off on the time. I know he lost a younger brother somewhat recently because Titus is not a young buck. He's in his 60s. But about 15 years ago, he loses his younger brother to some sort of congenital heart defect that he had his whole life, something like that. When he was a kid, lost his baby sister at four months old to sudden infant death syndrome. Oh, wow. It's just amazing how many people that have died through this guy's life, right? I don't want to meet this guy. It sounds like bad luck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, his dad was a very, very strong 
person in his life. His dad was an artist. So he got the artist thing, like the acting thing. He got that. Mm -hmm. But he also understood dedication. So there was a few moments in Titus's life where he was kind of drifting off. He was taking acting classes or he had at one point he was enrolled at NYU taking acting there, but getting heavily into this soon-to-be-well-paying construction kind of job, Mm -hmm. chasing the dollar a little bit. Yeah. And his dad would sort of momentarily swoop in and bust him in the chops, like, I thought you wanted to be an actor. (laughs) Yeah. Do what you want to do, but don't waste your time at NYU if you're going to chase the dollar not acting. Yeah. You've got to focus. You've got to focus. It's easy to be defocused chasing that. And then I thought about reading David Geffen's autobiography. He was a music mogul, and he came from abject poverty. Mm-hmm. This is a multi-billionaire started in the mailroom at William Morris Agency in New York mm-hmm. and then literally worked his way up to putting Crosby, Stills and Nash together nice. and then putting the Eagles together. Mm-hmm. He's behind so many massive artist successes and a way of rethinking the music industry just in terms of the normal. You got two A&R people. And the president's always meddling with them. And he's like, I'm going to have three A&R people and I'm going to hire them because they're amazing. And I'm going to let them sign whoever they want. Yeah. And we stay out of the way. And that's how we got Guns N' Roses. That's how we got Nirvana. That's how we got some of these massive successes. Sonic Youth. It was fascinating. So I just kind of went down this rabbit hole and I was thinking about COVID and I was thinking about my life. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some people that are listening to this podcast that aren't going to have a choice but to make a change. Right. We get into ruts of contentment. Mm-hmm. Now, rut sounds like a negative word, and I think it can be negative and I think it can be positive. Like if you can be content and happy and you're in this groove and it can stay that way forever, God bless. Yeah. But I think there's some people that live the dichotomy Mm -hmm. that are so busy trying to adult. And I so respond to this. I'm talking about myself here, too. I'm going to explain that. But they're so busy trying to adult that they might be blowing something that they're really meant to do. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about that. In the face of tragedy, deaths around you, really important people who go away in the face of poverty, abject poverty, and people's fear Mm. of abject poverty, there are giants that arise from this. Yes. I think a lot of times it's because they realize that maybe they don't believe in ruts of contentment, right? Because (laughs) they know better. You can be there, but something's going to come in and blow it out of the water like COVID. Yes. I know there's some listeners that we have this podcast who've lost some people to COVID and that just sucks. Totally. But I think there's a lot of people who are going to, in a certain way, lose their way of life on account of COVID. And they're not going to have a choice. Right. So I kind of wanted to talk, and Brian, you jump in with your stories at will here. But we've talked about this a little bit. I think in episode one is when we discussed it the first time. About my life and some of the decisions that I made, some of the lessons that I learned. And they were always in the face of some massive change that I had no choice like world chaos, right? Mm -hmm. Or life 
chaos. And believe me, I have my own chaos. We all do, right? right and I yeah. bring it. But I'm talking about the chaos that's outside of my control, right. right? For as long as I can remember, I wanted to be an artist. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever, to play mm-hmm. guitar, to be in a band, and had been making steps towards that. We were in high school. We lived 45 miles south of Milwaukee, but we were doing two gigs a week up in Milwaukee. That means driving home 45 minutes after the gig ends, after bar time, mm-hmm. cutting home at four o'clock in the morning, and then having to deal with school the next day. Yeah. However, you were going to deal with that because it was awesome. And then being on tour shortly after I went to one year of college and then just got the opportunity to go out on the road and I took it. Yeah. And we built up this whole band thing and I was the lead singer in a hair band and all of a sudden we get noticed by some people from the Allman Brothers and we get relocated down to Florida and mm-hmm. then we're touring and we're making a living doing all this and we're creating a relationship with Warner Brothers and Rob Cavallo and everything's going swimmingly and we're creeping into the early 90s and it's 1990 and that Nirvana record just blew up mm-hmm. and we just stopped getting phone calls and it was all over and I remember lying on a beach just realizing that after all this time I gotta quit my band mm-hmm. <laughs> right like, and it was so surreal and it was so off-putting because there was this circumstance that happened and I realized like what are we doing and it felt disingenuous to me to try to change yeah like okay we gotta start wearing flannel now and pretend we're from Seattle. Yeah, I couldn't do that. We used to rip on bands that did that or that were trying to play that game, even though, by the way, we were playing the hair band game. But down in Florida, it was funny with the flannel and the hat. You know, like, it's like, dude, we don't live in Seattle. Like, it's so so that part, hot down here. Why am I wearing I stand flannel? by that part. Yeah, you were seriously suffering for your look here. Your you know? <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't see that happening, man. And so through these different sort of speed bumps in my life, you've said this before, Brent, when God closes a door, he opens a window yeah. or something, right? Yeah. There was always that window was open and it was clear mm-hmm. to me. That was painful. It sucked. It was a big life change. It was having to let go of something that you've been working so hard to do and then figure out what you're going to do next because... I couldn't do the Seattle thing. I couldn't bring any integrity to that. Yeah. So that wasn't going to work for me. So I thought, maybe I'll move to Nashville because I heard the Allman Brothers and the guys around the band talk so much about it. And between Sarasota, Florida and Delavan, Wisconsin, where I live, right in between, almost exactly in the middle is Nashville. Mm -hmm. That's where I'd stop for the night on a Monday night. I just thought, I'm going to go see what goes on in Nashville on a Monday night. And so I went out to this dumpy bar, literally a dive bar, on a Monday night, it was a writer's night that I found in the Nashville scene, and there's Bud Lee and like two other dudes. I have no idea who they are, but I know every single song that they wrote, and they're all country songs, and I don't listen to country music. How can you escape friends in low places? Let that sink in. Yeah, there's no escaping friends in low places, which Earl Bud Lee wrote. And I'm just like, this is what happens in Nashville on a Monday night in a dive bar? I'm moving. There's the window. I had some vague thoughts in the back of my head that weren't well thought out. Now they're about to get well thought out because I had to go home and regroup and get my first of three sinus operations and then recover from that, save up some money. But that was in June, I think, of 94. And by 
December 28th or something like that, I moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. So it didn't take me long to regroup and get back here. And then I got an opportunity. I was here for a couple of years. I got an opportunity to get into business in the electronics manufacturing industry. I shoot out to LA. I got to go out there for that. Built up a nice little business. And then that had to end. That was my choice to end it. But mm-hmm. the dot-com crash happened, which definitely hurt manufacturing, the manufacturing industry. And then coupled with the terrorist attacks in 2011, manufacturing, if you're young enough to remember, was on its knees. So while I was paid very, very well by a mentor of mine, he cut my percentage a little bit. I worked completely on commission, mm-hmm. had my own company. I wasn't his employee, but he cut my commission a little bit, but he cut his prices. So the net result to me was a 50% pay cut. Wow. But I parlayed that right into, because I was already working with another company. Again, I had my own sort of sales organization and I was working with an East Coast circuit board design company. They had no idea what was going on. So this is literally divine intervention where they swooped in and said, hey, you've got a big list. This is where I learned the value of a list and that the money's in the list. You've got a big list of 3,300 engineers that work in prototype labs and we want to know these people. So we'll give you this amount of money if you'll give us that list and then we'll pay you an executive salary of $80,000 a year plus commission to work these relationships. Are you down with that? And I'm like, hell yes, I'm down with that. (laughs) It was a struggle to withhold the yes just to be cool, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I worked that for a couple years, another great relationship. But then finally, all of that world chaos caught up to them and their business in the prototype labs because they design circuit boards. So they're working with the engineers who create the iPhone boards or whatever, Mm -hmm. all these tech companies. And so they had to contract. And that means the youngest executive, not the youngest, but the most junior executive got to go. And that was me. Once again, now it's three in a row. These are three major life course changes in a row that I didn't even have the chance to screw it up. Mm-hmm. And a buddy of mine calls and you know he's like, you need to get in the financial industry, start selling mortgages. So I do. And we've talked about this before. I got the radio show. I built up this incredible business and learned the value of content marketing. I learned the very subtle differences. If you're not paying attention to how a platform is being consumed, how one minor tweak can be the difference between abject failure and poverty and complete and utter success. Mm -hmm. And we did all that. And this is the part I want to get to. I remember going into that thinking, well... This is financial stuff, and I can throw the anchor down here. I can put the tent stakes in. Mm -hmm. I can dig into this because I was admittedly like a little raw on the nerves from being bounced around. And I thought, there's no way this isn't going to end. People are always going to need to borrow money. It's never going to stop. Right. So that's what I did and built up this great business. And guess what? That stopped, right? We had the financial meltdown of 2008. Yeah. This was, I guess, as close to, I don't think I'll ever be in abject poverty because I can always work somewhere. You know, I don't have a health condition, thank God, or something else, knock on wood. But my house is a quarter million dollars upside down where it used to have $300,000 of equity. So do the math on that. That's a half a million dollar swing because everybody was foreclosing on my house. I... I had all this overhead, not only my house and my car payments and health insurance and all the the normal life bills that you have, but I had a $15,000 a month advertising bill with these radio stations for our show. Mm -hmm. But I'm not allowed to sell anything for a year, over a year. So this was the first time in my life where I was super shook. 
And for a long time, for probably like eight or nine months, mm. the window wasn't there yet. Yeah. Because I can get on board with a new window. If I like it, if it feels right, man, I can get on board quick yeah. and just leave the past behind and pivot and go. But there wasn't a window. And I remember just thinking, when's this going to happen? Like, I have mm-hmm. no idea what I want to do for the first time in my life. How scary is that? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're on the Titanic and now my ankles are wet, now my knees are wet and I don't see a lifeboat yet. Yeah. Like, am I going to die here? What's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I get a divorce. So there's that. And all of a sudden, out of this worst possible scenario comes the window. And that's when I had the conversation with my buddy Kelly. And my ex-wife is a TV producer. And so you go where the food is. We were in Los Angeles. That's where she got mm-hmm. the lion's share of her work. So I couldn't just move away from there and drag her with me. There might have been a way to do it, but that was going to be a last case scenario. But now I'm divorced. I've got a house that's going to screw me. Um, I've got a divorce, so I don't have the double income to pay for the house. And we're talking California taxes, California prices, you know. California is not the place you ought to be. No. Kelly was just like, so, you know, let me get this straight. You don't have a wife anymore. Yeah. And your house is upside down. Yeah. And you don't have any kind of job or career that you're trying to dig into. No. So when you move back to Nashville, let's produce some records. (laughs) I got pissed off at him. (laughs) I yelled at him. (laughs) I was like, I just got to tell you, get a divorce. Like we were separated now. That was the day that we separated. I think I had that conversation because he kind of looked to me and my wife. I think we were the voice of reason for him in terms of you can have a relationship and still be yourself kind of a thing. Weird side note, but I felt compelled to have this conversation with him, you know, as if he was our child or something. Not that he's a child. Yeah. How are we going to break it to Kelly? I knew it was going to hurt his feelings and I knew it was going to kind of blow his hope maybe. I mean, I was always just me. I could just be myself with her, without her. There was no change and it was totally okay. That was it. I'm like, you're right. He's cornering me the logic. I didn't sleep for 72 hours. And I make the choice to move back to Nashville. And that leads me down this path. But I lost everything. All of my savings I spent paying the bills and the overhead on the advertising overhead on this company, hoping that it'll come back sooner. Trying to ride it out. It outlasted my savings. And it was a lot of savings. Just the advertising was $15,000 a month. You know, you take everything else and it was, it was a lot. And I lasted about nine or 10 months and then it was all gone. Yeah. So I feel like with this COVID thing, there's a lot of artists that are brilliant and we, we don't ever hear from them. Right. And we'll never hear from them because they get into a rut of contentment. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. If they're happy, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. But they're not being artists because they're adulting or whatever. Right, yeah. I was adulting. I remember when I called my dad to tell him about Nashville. I think one of his first comments was like, are you through chasing the dollar now? Oh. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I mean, you're pretty good at it. Have you scratched that itch enough to know that you're good at it? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, now what do you really want to do? Nice. Also, I'm thinking the world is in utter chaos Mm -hmm. and the world's always in utter chaos. Yeah. That's where I had the epiphany that I can be a biggest adult as I want, but it's been proven to me on three separate occasions. This will be the fourth. Right. That you don't necessarily get a choice. No, you don't. And so the stability thing was the myth. Yeah. It's a myth. It's a freaking myth. And so I was like, there's no such thing as stability or job security. Another side note. I'm saying this because I know people are feeling like really weirded out right now mm-hmm. about this whole thing. Some of you got to make some decisions. Some of you maybe can't feed yourself or your family right now, or you're struggling to do that. It wasn't a regular paycheck that was coming in. We've got, what, 22 million people out of work right now. But I remember thinking, once I dug into that, And I was able to start over. I was willing to put the work in, but I was doing something that I really, really, really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And it led me down the path of where I produce far less records now, hardly any at all. And I'm doing much more marketing and leading the charge to switching from thinking about the music business in a broadcast platform methodology to a digital platform methodology. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of artists out there, You were in a rut of contentment, happily thinking that I really need to consider digital marketing. I really need to do better at my social media, but we got this next gig on Friday and that's cool too. And as long as we keep playing out regularly, maybe you were touring and you were neglecting these things that are going to be clearly the key to a successful future. Some of you were maybe in a rut with the nine to five job. Maybe it's because you got to make that money because you got a family or something. Maybe, but now you're not. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because you have a fear of being vulnerable. Yeah. Maybe it's because you're ashamed. Too many people told me you're never going to make it and it's not stable. That's what the people say on the peripheral when they're spitting poison into you. They're like, well, what's your backup plan if you're going to be an artist? Because Here's the numbers on that. Yeah. Well, there's 22 million people out of work. Here's the numbers on that. What's your, what's your, <laughs> right. now was your argument for stability? Right. right? Yeah. Like, and the whole planet, not just the United States. This is even bigger than that. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm wondering what you're waiting for now. What are you doing right now? Are you lamenting the loss of your happy rut, your rut of contentment, Mm -hmm. wishing that that would come back? Are you angry at somebody? Maybe you're angry at China. Maybe you're angry at the world. Maybe you're angry at the president. Maybe you're angry at the Democrats or the Republicans. Because this isn't changing. Right. We've talked about what can this make possible. Mm-hmm. Now's the time to become an expert, a student of the game. You get some money, some... Stimulus money and Paycheck Protection Act and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you get in that. Maybe now's the time to invest a few hundred bucks in an education. Mm-hmm. Join the Social Media Marketing Society. Learn about the algorithms and what goes on there and start thinking about how you can do this because you can't play out right now and you might not be able to play out for a while. Mm -hmm. Maybe everything loosens up for the summer and then we have another bout and this is an election year. So, you know, whatever the F happens is going to be blown into a thousand times the proportion that it needs to be because two different people are trying to get elected and they need volatility to help them do it. Both sides. Hopefully this thing just goes away. It heats up and it goes away like SARS did. Mm -hmm. But maybe not. And maybe we're going to be locked down again. Maybe they won't learn the lessons about lockdown. Maybe they're right about lockdown. I don't know. We're not getting any real good information here. So this is the time to be really focused on if you are an artist who lost their way of life because all you did was be an artist Mm -hmm. and you made your living that way, Ooh, you got to rethink stuff. You better get better. You better start thinking about digital marketing. Because even when it comes back, this is the way it's going to go. Oh, yeah. We've been driving up streams from digital marketing on Spotify. We've been driving up exposure on YouTube from digital marketing. We've been selling out shows for artists like T.G. Shepard with digital marketing, selling tickets, T-shirts. It's all right there. But if your position was, well, I don't know about it. I'm too busy. Now you don't have that anymore. So step up your game. If you're an artist that also was trying to adult and do the stable thing Mm -hmm. that just became unstable. Someone close to me was recently downsized and she was a major breadwinner for her family. They have three kids and her husband works and stuff, but she just got downsized and she'd been bouncing around going to maybe start a podcast and start this side businesses and some passion kind of projects and, and doing some stuff. And so she's going, okay, I'm getting paid through this date And I'm going to get unemployment and a severance and okay, let's go. And while she's looking for also a steady gig, she's also hammering down on her dream hustle. Yeah. Now's the time to get some proof of that and to lay down some track and then we'll see. You know, she doesn't know what's going to happen, but she knows that she needs to bring in some pesos. So she's hitting it. And it was funny. I talked to her last week and she was in such a good mood. She's like, I am loving my days. Right now, of course, there's stress going. There's a deadline where the severage package stops and the unemployment's a pain in the butt, all that kind of stuff. But she's like chasing it now and digging in and having some time to do that and building some structure. It's a creative pursuit. She's not an artist or anything like that, but she wants to do her own gig, which is a creative pursuit. You know, start your own business thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, it replaces like instead of Friday, it's like Monday. You know? Yeah. It's not Friday fun day. It's Monday fun day, isn't it? She's like, yes. I'm like, I know. Because <laughs> when you're doing something on purpose for a purpose and you have that goal and you're fired up to create something and this is your thing, it puts a total different spin on Monday mornings. Let me add it, Monday. I remember when we toured the band I was in, Kid Gypsy, after we broke up and I moved to Nashville and everybody went their separate ways. A few years later, it wasn't very much later, we lost our bass player to brain cancer. 
totally blows. By the way, somehow word got out, and Gene Simmons called him, dude. How cool is that? Like, That's very cool. <laughs> Gene Simmons from Kiss called him because that was his hero. Wow. Just reached out to him personally, and I just had to throw that in there. But I remember thinking then that life is too short. You know, the death. Yeah. Obviously, it's heartbreaking, yeah. you know? I mean, I lost my mom less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. It was devastating. But life is too short. Like, I look at that and just think, i got to work harder. I don't know how much time I have left. Mm-hmm. And I easily, easily, easily fell into that contentment rut of making like, a really good living, doing the mortgage thing, and having a certain kind of lifestyle And the hours tick away. And it was amazing when I lost all that. The revelation that I had was that it was a blessing. It sucks that it had to happen this way. And how many people got ruined because it happened this way, you know? But this one's working out for me because I loved building a company. I loved the teamwork. I wasn't going to work miserable at all. But I hated mortgage consumers. I wasn't being stimulated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't scratching that itch for me, that creative itch in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I got to be Mr. Personality because I had a radio show, so it was scratching that itch for me. But here's the thing. It wasn't enough, and the money didn't matter. But I probably wouldn't have made that choice by myself, maybe. Yeah. Maybe another five years of it or something, and I would have gotten miserable, and then I would have been like, okay. I'm not a person that continues to be miserable. It goes on probably for a little too long. And then I'm like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Then I'm out of it and I'm on to the next thing. But I didn't like it. It wasn't half as fun as making 10% of the money producing records. <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. Wow. Man, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about everybody with this COVID thing. I'm thinking about you guys. I'm wondering when I hear about... Titus Welliver and all the tragedy he's had in his life and mm-hmm. how he's used that to move forward. Yeah. What's coming up now? I think it's going to be bad economically, mm-hmm. but it might be a blessing for a lot of people if they're not focused on losing it. When I say that I was lost in that time, I wasn't lost because I lost this money. or whatever. I had that happen before I know I can make more money. But it was like, damn, I don't know what to do next. Yeah. And That scared the crap out of me. And it lasted a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think just another note of positivity here. Second, Bob left its interview. And I'll wrap this up. was talking Bob Rock. It's the most recent one. I love Bob Rock. He produced the Metallica Black album and every album from Metallica after that. He produced Sonic Temple. He engineered Slippery When Wet for Bon Jovi. Mm -hmm. He engineered Loverboy's records. He engineered New Jersey from Bon Jovi. Mm -hmm. He engineered Aerosmith's permanent vacation. So he's all right. Yeah, he's solid, right? He was talking about the luck and random chance of it all and the art of pursuing excellence. Mm -hmm. And he says, trust your desire for curiosity and your genuine innocence of the magic of the art to lead the way. He was talking about, and I can't remember the guy's name. His first name is Shell. I don't remember his last name, but he was a musician and an engineer and he's an American and he was on holiday in England and had a buddy back in the 60s at Decca Records. And so he went to go visit his buddy and while he's waiting in the freaking lobby for his buddy to come and get him in walks this dude with some acetates. And back then that was a demo, mm. was an acetate. And this guy couldn't get anybody to listen to his music. 
And he's like, I'll listen to it. <laughs> and it turns out that was Ray Davies. Oh, wow. And he listened to the music. And he's like, I would like to produce you. And so they went, and that was the kinks, man. Yeah. That was, you really got me. And then because of that one moment where he's just in the right place at the right time and decided to listen, boom, he has this huge career. And of course, it's not that simple, right? He's had a lifetime of engineering and all that stuff before it. But if you're at work, or if you would have been at work, but now you don't have the job anymore, where else can you be moving forward that can create some of that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Use this moment to the best of your ability to eliminate the white noise chatter. The people who are living the dichotomy, who are chasing the dollar for the sole purpose of chasing the dollar, but really getting not a lot of spiritual satisfaction, Mm -hmm. I think. And they're going to be ugly. They're going to be angry at somebody who is finally going to do what they should be doing and where they belong. And if you've lost everything, if your life's been upended, and some of you, maybe it hasn't yet, but it's coming. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's going to be in July or August when the company finally runs out of money and everything goes belly up. You got to deal with the pain, but man, when the door closes, you don't want it slammed in front of your face with a bunch of expletives behind it, right? <laughs> which, is, right. which is what COVID is. <laughs> Let's yeah. just be honest, you know, but this is it. If you're already making money as an artist before, now you better become a student of the game at digital. That's right. And if you are living the dichotomy, then maybe it's time for you to really pivot and start to figure out ways to make money as an artist. You know, I just had a conference call yesterday with one of our clients who wanted to do an analytics review of everything that we've done for their digital marketing. And she's a data analyst at work, mm-hmm. but clueless to the details of what happens on Facebook and the data and everything like that. And so we did a Zoom conference and I'm just showing all this different stuff. And they're like, wow, we get the strategy. You see what's happening. This is really exciting. And I'm like, yeah, we're growing. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing all this during COVID because they can't get out. Here's a situation where her regular job is now starting to connect with, oh, I see what we're doing here. This is just like this or this in my job. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Oh, you can do that. Yeah, man. Let's go. Anything you want to add to that, brother? Man, sometimes getting kicked out of the nest can be the best thing. It can be scary. I remember when I was working at Blue Water Music and after Monday morning church, got cut by Alan Jackson. I did the math on Alan tends to go platinum. And if I'm just an album cut, this is what this would bring in. Don't quit your job over that. I'd try and talk to publishers and stuff. And then I got called into the office and I got let go. <laughs> and yeah. then I was like, okay, I guess I'm on a hunt for a publishing deal now. And that really kicked me into overdrive to go, okay, I need to go get one. I need to go get some income. So that was in that time before I knew that Monday Morning Church was going to be a single. But it really gave me the push to go out there and end up landing a publishing deal at Major Bob Music, which was a really great thing for me. And I still have a good relationship with the people at Blue Water. I'm happy when I see their face every quarter because they collect royalties for me. Yeah. Now. <laughs> so, you <laughs> know, we still have a good working relationship. But that kicked me out of the nest. I was going to go like, let's hang on to this. Let's play safe. Hang on to this job. It's in the music business. I don't love it. It's data entry and some stuff. It's pretty dry, but I'm learning the business. I get to meet people and be around it. But it forced me to pivot, and it ended up being a good thing. When I had to go take a sales gig for a couple of years, I was like, I'm all in the music business. After the hit. Yeah, after that. Hit a rough patch and family's growing, but the income isn't. But I was just doing pub deals and writing and went to Starbucks and was writing around that working like 16 hour days. It wasn't great on the marriage, by the way. And then one of my regulars came through and was like, man, you're always here at first thing in the morning with a smile on your face. You're here all the time. Hey, we're looking to hire some sales guys. You know, I like your attitude. 
well, thanks. Just as I was having to get real, like, I got to go do something, bring in some more income. Wife was leaning on me. And and as usually what happens, I'm out there looking, but then God goes, here it is. Yep. You didn't find that. Let me provide you with this. <laughs> Here's the window. Because I was just being faithful in the job I had, having a good attitude, doing a good job. If I'd been Mr. Scowlface, then there's no way that he would have given me his card. But we'd chat. He liked my personality, and I was there every day with a good attitude. So... He threw me his card, and it turned out that's what I got hired to do. And I hated that job because <laughs> it wasn't the music stuff. And I went through kind of a wilderness period, too. Go, what am I going to do? Writing songs is what I love. It's what I'm best at. I'm okay at the sales thing, but it doesn't light me up. What am I doing this for? But God used that to get me in the truck, that stinky truck, and get me listening to podcasts. And that's when Johnny and I started the podcast, and but started putting the radar what is now Songwriting Pro, which grew enough to get me out of that job. It was still a leap of faith. My wife and I both had to hear from God going, okay, it's time to jump. At this point, we got four kids and still one income. Like, okay, go ahead and quit that job now. Okay, God. And he's just ratcheted up some of the crazy, but it's like, okay, and I've bounced back. Now I do music stuff full time. I do songwriting pro and I do songwriting. That's it. And now we have five kids and still wife doesn't work outside the home. How is that happening? Because I was forced to pivot when I got in that truck doing that sales thing. I cannot do this forever. What else can I do to get back in the business and do something I love? And there's enough of a window there going, I can go to school and I can study this stuff and I can start building this other thing. And maybe that'd give me the platform to launch out and get back into the creative life. So I hustled on that and my writing suffered for a few years. And so to some of my relationships, but now I'm rebuilding bridges. I'm building new bridges. And you just got your latest number one. Yeah, sitting on a number one right now. You just got your number one, baby. Come on. Oh, thank you. Yes. Where's that party? When's that number one party? I'm going to socially distance that party. So I have a number one with a group called The Sound. It's a Southern Gospel number one on a song called Can I Get a Witness, which I wrote with Kenna West and Jason Cox, which you know, Jason, we wrote some of the Skylar stuff together. Yep. So one thing, I've been around with Jason for years, off and on. We reconnected. He's just killing it in Southern Gospel and used that pre-existing relationship. After I went back to like quit the day job and had more flexibility to write, then I was like, I want to write some of this stuff, which is interesting how this works. Like when I was writing full time and had country publishing deals, they wouldn't know what to do with a Southern gospel song, with a bluegrass song. They wouldn't know what to do with it. The juice isn't worth the squeeze for them. Give me country songs. Come on, let's pitch to Jason Aldean. Yeah. And on the odd occasion, I would write like a Southern Gospel thing if I got in the room with Jerry Sally or something like that or CCM thing. They wouldn't know what to do with it. And it goes in the stack. But now it's like, I don't need Kenny Chesney to like my second verse for me to make a living because I'm helping songwriters and songwriting pro is doing well enough that now I can have the freedom to go, let's go write some Southern Gospel. Because the numbers on Southern Gospel financially is nowhere near country. Just a smaller market. But it's one that I value because the way it feeds people and the way it serves people. And there are things about it I definitely like. And God just kind of opened those doors. And Jason was kind enough to usher me into writing with him and Kenna and some other people. Then all of a sudden I'm stepping into this world at a very high level. It's like riding with the Shane McAnally's and Ashley Gorley's of country, but in the Southern gospel world, people that are just slaying it. And I have the freedom to do that and invest some time in it because I don't have a publisher going, how is this going to 
get you recouped <laughs> or whatever. I have some freedom <laughs> yeah. to do that. And I'm enjoying that. And I'm starting to get cuts and releases. And we, yeah, we just had our first number one. It's like Kenna's 30-something and Jason's 20-something probably in that world and my first. But it was a pivot. And that's definitely satisfying to go, okay, we hit the pinnacle. Smaller market, but it, it's fun. And where is that going to open doors and pivot? And I'm just getting to write. I just love writing. And I'm writing country stuff and bluegrass stuff as well. And But those are times where the pivot wasn't something that I sought out. I wouldn't be doing songwriting pro today yeah. if I hadn't have... Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Super proud of you. And we should maybe interview Jason. Yeah, we should. And maybe Jason and Kenna, but definitely Jason, because I think that's some interesting stories. He's bounced around between genres, too. Mm-hmm. And I bet you he's got a lot of really good stuff to say. Huh? And the funny thing about Jason, he and his wife are killing it in real estate down in Brentwood. I saw their face on a billboard. Really? And they're, Yeah, they're doing real estate, and he <laughs> loves it. Back when I was looking at trying to pivot and kind of looked into real estate, I took him out to lunch. And he's like, yeah, I write a couple days a week because that's his creative itch. So for him, it's not about the money, but he's making it in real estate and doing really well. And he enjoys that. He enjoys helping people get wins, find their houses and stuff. Real estate, as you know, can be very lucrative, but it also gives him some flexibility. To go write songs yeah. and scratch that itch. So he's living the life, man. Yeah. He and Ken and I'll be in the room. We'll be writing. And Ken and I are bouncing something off. Jason just kind of goes away for a minute and he's typing. And we're like, he's not working on lyrics. Like, Jason, are you selling the house? Are you selling the house right now? He just made more money right now than we're going to make off of this song. Thanks, Jason. Thanks. You would give him a hard time. So that's interesting, too. That's a pivot because he'd been doing music full time. Now he's doing real estate and music and he's killing it both he enjoys the gig and so everyone has their own mix of what's going to work for him in the music business because it'd be really hard to scrap out a living just as a single income southern gospel songwriter yeah but that's where the doors have opened up he doesn't rely on that to make his house payment yeah and neither do you yeah neither do i which allows me the freedom to go and play and explore and go let's write some bluegrass or let's write some southern gospel and let's keep aiming country and do that stuff too but hey if, if blake shelton doesn't like my bridge I keep my house. I'm not out of a gig. You can't fire me, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Because you, know? you work for your damn self. And yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> What's funny, that person I was telling you about earlier that got downsized, she called me and she's feeling all the emotions, you know. And I was like, congratulations. You're not unemployed. Today, you became self-employed. She was like, ooh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Because she'd been dabbling in this thing. It's like, oh, yeah, now I work on this thing. Congratulations, you're self-employed. You'll never be unemployed again. Oh, I love that, man. Once again, dude, congrats on that number one. And Thank you, thank you. That's all I got to say about that. I mean, have you seen that post about being born in 1900 yet, Brent, on Facebook? No, no, I haven't. It describes your life if you're born in 1900 in the United States. By the time you're 15 years old, the whole world is in World War One. It's massive chaos. And then just as World War One ends, that's when the Spanish flu kicks off that pandemic, which killed 50 million people across the planet, 50 million people. And that starts when you're 18 and it lasts until you're 20. And then the Great Depression kicks in by the time you're 33. And you start to come out of that. By the time you're in your early 40s, World War II is starting. Mm -hmm. And then in the early 50s, you got the Korean War that happens. And then there's a 20-year conflict in Vietnam that goes on. This is life. Yeah. It's full of freaking chaos. Some of it is bad people doing bad things. Some of it is natural stuff that 
makes people do bad things and yeah. act like idiots, but it's never going to be perfect and it's always going to be chaos. So choose wisely mm-hmm. on what you're spending your time doing. Just make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's all. By the way, if you were born in 1900, you didn't get a microwave till you're like 80. I know, right? Think about that. <laughs> think about that. I didn't have a microwave until I was 84, you know, or whatever. Hey, damn, air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, think about that. Yeah. yeah. If you lived in the South. Hey, guys, listen, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. We're available to you for consultation, and we still got the COVID discount going on. It's 33% off. Get in touch with us. If you're trying to step up your game with social media, step up your game with digital marketing and explore some of this stuff, we can have a real conversation about it that's very, very personalized. Here's what your assets are. Here's what you need. Here's what you should be doing. This is what I would do. And tighten up your game and take it to the next step. Use this world hiccup here to regroup and come out of the box on fire. Secondly, you know, if you've got the budget, give us a call and we'll help you with that digital marketing. We'll help you get in front of people. We are breaking artists digitally. We're getting an audience in front of you. And then all you got to do is your thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and make them understand why they should be paying attention to you. So if you uh, want some consultation, just hit us up at info at daredevilproduction.com and put consultation in the subject line. If you want to talk about maybe working together on digital marketing, just put digital marketing in the subject line. And just for playing our home game, get the free download of 21 Biggest Reasons You Don't Have More Fans and How to Fix It. There's a free informational PDF that'll get your head right on what you're supposed to be doing and how to help you pivot in your mind just from broadcast platform, which is the way you were marketed to, to digital platform, which is the way you need to be marketing. So just to help you connect those dots a little bit, just go to giftfromjohnny.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y, giftfromjohnny.com, and tell us where to send it, and we'll get it going. So this podcast exists because we want you to win, guys, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.